Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. to victory this morning, and uh, appreciate you all being here. I'm taking up where a uh, pastor left off in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 12. I apologize. I do not have any slides. Patty and or Phil usually do my slides. She's busy, and so I just didn't even bother with them. So uh, if you have your Bible, whether it's hardcover or electronic, please take it out and use it. Again, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 is where we're going to be today. Pastor was uh, last week uh, in the verses before this, and, and Paul will follow up with this uh, next week as well. So, uh, uh, in the past, we've, uh, as a family, we, we've made some terrible mistakes as far as things we've done uh, in not following through with things, okay? And where I'm going with this is a lot of times people will accept Christ as their Savior, and that's it. They never do anything else with it. I remember in the past when Penny and I were first married, uh, we lived in a small apartment there at Davis Mont- in Tucson, Davis Mountain Air Force Base. And, and his door-to-door salesman came by and they were selling uh, camera packages, film packages. And, and you bought this whole package and it was free development, free film, a free camera. All you had to do was agree to have all, send all your film in. You paid a, a monthly charge. Okay? They believe it was for 12 months or so on. And you got all this free stuff, right? Well, we paid the monthly charge. We didn't use that thing one time. Not once. We bought it, never used it again. Okay? And I thought about this as I was laying in bed last night, thinking how I was going to introduce, you know, lead into this. And, and I got to thinking, a lot of people's Christianity is like that. They accept Christ. They never do another thing with it. They just go on living their normal life before they were saved. It's important that we progress, that we grow, that we mature as Christians. Now, last week, Pastor talked about love and forgiveness and all that. And that was a very strong sermon. I, uh, I pray the Lord speaks through me like He speaks through Pastor John uh, to you this morning. Uh, but as, as we look at First John in the introduction or prologue, John indicated that the general purpose of this letter was to help believers mature into mature Christians, into Christ's likeness. Okay, and, and that's all of our goals. We should be endeavoring, trying, uh, persevering, focusing on maturing into Christ's likeness. Okay, that, that's our main goal. Of course, one day when, when Christ comes back, we will be like He is. Okay, but as we stand here on this earth, on this big dirt clod, okay, we will not achieve that. We work towards it, but we will not actually achieve it. Now, I know we run across Christians on a, uh, from time to time that think they're there, okay? Uh, pray for them. That's all I can say. And having laid down the general principles between light and darkness, love and hate, John now wants to encourage these believers' spiritual walk, their maturity in the way of light. Because, let's face it, as, as Christians, right, as, as believers, sometimes we can walk the path of darkness even though we're believers, And it's important that we as believers are able to distinguish between the two sidewalks, if you will, one side of the street versus the other side of the street, and that we walk in the way of light. We walk on that sidewalk, if you will. So due to the warnings that John has given in in, in his book, he didn't want his readers to think he was dissatisfied with their spiritual condition. Okay? So he's assuring these genuine believers... That he not only wrote for, okay, but because of their spiritual progress. You see, these believers were maturing, okay, but just like our congregation here. Alright? Some are maturing faster than others. Some aren't maturing at all. And some are, you know what I mean? So, uh, he wants to, he wants to uh, encourage everyone, those that 
haven't even started yet to those that are far along in, 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 the, in their spiritual progress. And he wanted to strengthen their faith in Christ and enhance the basis for all their spiritual growth. And that's what he's trying to do here. So like I said, we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, uh, 12 through 14. And I'd ask that you would read along with me as I read it. And I, again, I apologize. Ah, we got, got some up there. I, I appreciate that, Tyler. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. John says, I'm writing to you, now listen to this, little children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. Then in verse 13, he says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've had victory over the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. And you can see through the whole, this whole scripture right here how he, he's touching on each the children, the young men, the fathers. We, we look at that as a progression of the spiritual maturity there. And he's encouraging them. Those that are young in the faith, those that have been in there, in there a while. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask Him to be with us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, Lord. And, and we lift those up in prayer that we've mentioned this morning. And, and Lord, You know the needs of this church and, and of our congregation, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And, and uh, with our shepherd, Pastor John and, and Debbie. And Lord, we just pray that uh, Your hand would be upon each and every one of them. I pray Your hand would be upon us this morning, Lord, as we... As we look into what your word has to tell us, Lord, and I just pray you'd speak through me, speak to hearts this morning, Lord, and let it be your word that proceeds from me, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and again, we just thank you for all your many blessings. I thank you for each and every person that sits here this morning, Lord, and, uh, and wants to hear what you have to tell them, Lord. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. So three groups of persons within the family of faith are addressed here in verses 12, 13, and the first part of 14, and they're called children young men, and fathers. And what's said of each group doesn't appear to be age-related. A lot of times we think, okay, children, small ones, young men, teenagers, and of course fathers being uh, your mature Christian, your older men. But these groups may represent different levels of Christian maturity within the community. And so we're going to call them the three stages of spiritual growth here. Okay? So when I'm talking about stages, I'm talking about, about this. And then uh, at the end of verse 14, uh, that only the light of God's Word can dispel darkness and equip believers to overcome the enemies. So this first part, children, young men, and fathers, is about our spiritual maturity. And then the last part of this is uh, how they've overcome the darkness. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Stage one. You can write this down if you want. Take notes on your, uh, on your iPad or your phone. Uh, Pastor always encourages you to take notes, of course. Uh, spiritual childhood is our first stage, and that's verse 12 there. And if we look at the passage as the three stages of spiritual growth, growth, that first one would be childhood. And the point John wants to communicate in verse 12 is that their sins have been forgiven. So that tells me that these children have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And I would encourage you, as you're sitting here this morning, I don't ever want to get up here and not encourage people to accept Christ as their Savior and start their walk with Christ. So if you're sitting here this morning you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, I want you to listen and I want you to uh, uh, consider hopping on that road, if you would. Verse 12, I'm writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. See, when we, when we ask forgiveness for, of our sins and we, we, we plead with Jesus to come into our hearts, we accept Him as our personal Savior, that's, that's the first step. We, we, we can't claim to be, really claim to be Christian. I know this nation as a whole in the past has claimed to be a Christian nation, but that doesn't mean everybody in it is a Christian. A lot of times people uh, in their daily walk, people I work with that don't even, have never set foot in a church, claim to be Christian, okay? But if you're sitting here, as we sit here, if we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, okay, we've asked Him in our heart, we've asked Him to forgive us of our sins, we are truly Christians, okay? And, and I just want you to know there, there is a difference in things. A lot of times we get in the habit of calling things something that they're not, uh, in, in, in either because of political correctness or, or something along those lines. Uh, 
Jake, Jake and I, my, my youngest there, uh, we talk a lot about just starting to call things as they are, okay? You know what I mean? It's, it's, I, I just, sometimes they just get fed up with political correctness. I'm sorry I got off on a little tangent there. <laughs> uh, the Greek term, little children, in this verse refers to toddlers. When, it, when it's talking, and I, and I didn't, didn't research the, the Greek term and what that was, but it is referring to toddlers. And we all know toddlers. Uh, if you met Henry and or Lincoln, okay, uh, they are toddlers, okay? Uh, and in, uh, toddlers, until they learn to walk, okay, they trip, they fall. If you have toddlers, you know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. They need somebody to pick them up when they fall. They need somebody to dry their tears. They need somebody to bandage their skin leg, their skin knees. They need somebody to reassure them and let them know everything's all right. Let them know that falling down doesn't mean they'll never walk. Let them know that falling down doesn't necessarily mean you're not part of the family. So there's two things a spiritual toddler needs to understand. There is a difference, now get this, there is a difference between their stage of growth and their standing with God. You get that? There is a difference between your stage of growth and your standing with God. Your spiritual maturity has no bearing on your salvation. That'd be like saying the individuals that accept Christ as their Savior this morning aren't as saved as the individual that's been studying and living out Christ for their whole life. Or for many years, for that matter. Alright? So did you get that? I'm going to read that again. Your spiritual maturity has no bearing on your salvation. Do not get these two things mixed up. You've been pardoned because of Jesus. You've asked Him to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, and you're going to live for Him. That's your salvation. Your salvation is based on Him. You've been pardoned because of Jesus. You become spiritually mature because of yourself and what you do. Biblical study, prayer, trying your best to walk as Christ walked. What would Jesus do? Situations. You see what I'm saying? Trusting in the finished work of Christ is the only thing that gives you right standing with God. It's only through Him. When God looks at you after you've accepted Christ as your Savior, He doesn't necessarily see you. He sees His Son. Alright? That's how He sees you. If you forget that part of it, you're going to be in trouble. Because every time you fall, every time you trip and stumble as a Christian, the devil, Satan, the evil one... Is going to make you uh, doubt your salvation. How many people have ever doubted their salvation? You don't need to raise your hand, but, but you know. I have. Okay? Sometimes I'm walking my daily walk and I trip and stumble as a Christian. I'm thinking, wow, am I really saved? Sometimes we doubt. But that, that comes because we forget what God's Word says. And if we stay in God's Word, we stay in prayer... We're not going to forget that. The forgiveness you receive when you accept Christ is a judicial act by God, making you a member of His family forever. You're justified or in right standing with God. It's like when parents, adults, adopt a child. It's a judicial act. The court says, yes, this is your child. Same thing. We've been adopted into God's family. We're joint heirs with Christ. But the forgiveness... You receive on a daily basis. That's a relational act. Okay? That, come, that comes when we go to Jesus or God in prayer at night. When we ask forgiveness for, for our sins. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at night. A lot of people equate asking forgiveness for sins. When you go to bed at night, you kneel down at your bed. And, and that's fine. Okay? But you know what? You can go to the Lord in prayer anytime, anywhere. You need to know that. It's, it doesn't necessarily have to be at night when you go to bed. Although that's easier because it's quiet, usually dark in the room. It's easy to have some quiet time with the Lord right there and easy to pray. That's why a lot of people do that. But you, I pray when I'm driving down the road. I, anytime I need to pray, I pray. It's not necessarily a, a, a time or place. It's anytime, any place. 
Confession and forgiveness keeps you relationally close to God. That constant state of prayer keeps you relationally close to God. Suppose you enter the wrong number in your calculator. What do you do? You hit that C button numerous times to clear it all out. Well, you have a little button like that for your spiritual life. That erase button that you can go to the Lord, hit clear, and He clears out, He clears your day so you can start fresh and new tomorrow. That's what the blood of Christ has done for you. Repentance allows you to override sin by triggering God's forgiveness so that the flow of His grace continues. You know, I get as much blessing out of pastor standing up here preaching. Okay? I get as much blessing out of Tyler singing and his songs and everything up here as I do pastors preaching. Okay? And that song this morning, all those songs this morning, is just very touching. God's grace uh, always flows. Growth follows that. When we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, God's grace, we're given God's grace. Growth follows. You know what? If you accept Christ as your Savior, and all you ever do is come here on Sunday morning and sit under uh, pastor's preaching, you're going to grow. Probably not as fast as you want. Probably not as fast as pastor wants. Okay? But you're going to grow. You're going to hear God's Word preached. And you're going to grow. But there's so much more to the Christian life than just Sunday morning. You've got six other days, six and a half other days, to grow, to, to, to... to be Christ-like. And that's what Christ wants for you. That's what He wants for your life. It's, it's more than just Sunday morning. The important thing to remember about sin is to always keep a short account with God. We've been forgiven for being a sinner, but we need daily forgiveness for individual sins. Now, when you accept Christ as your Savior, everything's blotted out. You're forgiven. You're going to heaven. But you know what? As I walk through my daily walk, there's those times I trip and, trip and stumble, trip and fall. I need to ask forgiveness for those times. It doesn't make me any less saved, any less of a Christian. I just need to clear that account. Those things are, are, are on me. They're on my mind. It helps me get back in a, in a relation, relationally good with, with the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Pastor one time... Uh, uh, likened it to uh, a hose, if you will. And if there's something in that hose, sin, it's going to pl- plug up the hose and it'll not allow anything to get through. By asking for daily forgiveness, we clear out those blockages. We clear out that anything that's going to get in the way of our relationship with Christ. Okay? And it restores that relationship. We're pardoned and the penalty for sin is removed. Because our sins have been forgiven, we can enjoy an intimate relationship and fellowship with God. That's what He wants. A lot of times we, we walk around, we stand around, we sit around, we're waiting for God to speak to us. Wait, you know what? He's not, I, I, I don't really believe He's going to speak to you unless you're speaking to Him. Okay? If you're quiet, He's going to stay quiet. This relationship remains close and vibrant if I confess my daily sins and receive His cleansing. Stage two. Okay? Stage one. Let me go back here. Spiritual childhood. We've just accepted Christ as our Savior. We're young in Christ. We're growing. Then we get to stage two, spiritual adolescence. And that's verse thir- that second half of 13b, if you will. 13, second half of it. Upon accepting Christ, we have victory over the enemy. However, the struggle has just started. Okay, When we accept Christ as our Savior from the get-go, it's not going to be roses and a rose garden. It's not going to be... I mean, it can be, don't get me wrong, but, but not all the time. Okay, The struggle's just starting. Satan, Satan realizes you, you've decided to follow Christ. He does not like that. Okay? And this, at this point, this is his world. All right? But know that we have the victory through Christ. The victories, the war has been won, but there's still some battles to fight, if you will. Spiritual adolescence. And as we grow in faith, we begin to overcome the enemy. All right? 
And as we're from spiritual children, we grow into, into adolescence here, just like a normal child would. So look at the second part of verse 13 there. It says, I am writing to you young men because you've had victory over the evil one. So the second stage of spiritual, growth, of spiritual growth is adolescence. And if you've ever had young men, teenagers, young ladies, you know that the transition from adolescence and adulthood can be a bumpy ride. Okay? I don't know about you. I've got two that I, we, we put through that or that put us through that. Okay? <laughs> uh, but teenagers clash with their parents. They clash with authority figures. Okay? Because they're moving from dependence to independence. Now, that's honestly, we think that's hard on us parents, but that's hard on the kids as well. Okay? Establishing boundaries, knowing, okay, at that point in their life, okay, well, what can I do? What can't I do? What can I be independent on? And what do I still have to depend on mom and dad for? All right? They wrestle with conflicting feelings of wanting their freedom, yet not really wanting it, especially if mom and dad are footing the bill, right? Okay? It's good to. Good to get a, an allowance if you're a child, I know. They chaff. They get upset at observing curfews, particularly when their friends don't have to. They don't, get, they don't like getting approval for what movie they can see. They don't like getting approval for who they can date, who they can't date. Parties, dress codes. Can I use the car? Absolutely not. They especially dislike hearing what my parents told me. As long as you're under my roof, you live by my rules. And when you get your own family, you can establish your own rules. Right? Sure, sure we've all heard that or possibly even said it. Okay? The truth is a spiritual adolescent doesn't know as much as he or she thinks they do. Right? Just like our children don't know as much as they think they do. I, I look back at my adolescence, my teen, teen years, and I think, man, I was dumb. <laughs> I, really, I really did not know as much as I thought I did. And I look back at the lessons my mom and dad tried to teach me, and I think, wow, they were right. And you know what really is great is when you, your, your kids sit down with you and say, you know, Dad, I look back at at the things you said no to or yes to, and, and I totally agree. <laughs> Thank you. They, you know what I mean? That's, that is awesome when, you're, when your kids realize that. Some, hey, don't get discouraged. Some it takes longer than others, and some never get it. All right? So, okay, I was lucky. My, at least one of mine got it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> Wow. Awesome stuff. Teens need guidance, support, and correction for more mature Christians so they can learn how to avoid falling into the enemy's traps. We, as spiritual adolescents, need the same thing. You think about what your teens needed or need or are going to need. Those of you who have young kids, teens, or had teens, okay? As, as believers, as spiritual adolescents, we need the same thing. We need to be supported. We need correction. That, 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 was, a, that was a hard thing for me to... I, I never overtly said anything, but when, when, uh, when Pastor John or Eldon or, or Paul or anybody, you know, any of the leadership or any other Christian would come up and admonish me for anything, I would take offense to it. I really would. Inside, I wouldn't over. You can't tell me, tell me that. But I, I would never do that. Uh, but inside, I was saying, how dare them? Okay, we have to be willing to take that correction. That's what helps us grow. Those those times when, and, and hopefully they're doing it in love and and putting their arm around you and saying, you know, you know, doing it in a loving Christian way. The Bible sets out how we're to do that. Again, if we're reading our Bible, we know that. They need instruction and training in God's Word to make them strong and keep them battle-ready at all times. It's a spiritual battle out there. When you accept Christ as your Savior, Satan, like I said earlier, Satan doesn't like it. His minions don't like it. And I'm not talking about the little twinky minions you see on Despicable Me. I'm talking about dirty, rotten, 
demons. Okay? They don't like it. They don't like it when you choose God over Satan. And they're going to fight you. They're going to fight you in the way of financial difficulties. They're going to fight you in the way of family difficulties. They're going to fight you any way they can. We need to be battle ready. And we do that by becoming spiritually mature. By staying in God's Word. By staying in prayer. By staying in church. Okay? You drive your car, right? Drive it long enough, it's going to run out of gas. Right, Jake? I ran out of gas the other day. Jake had to come rescue me. Sorry. No. But uh, you know what? The same with our Christian walk. This is our filling station. If you think you can stay out of church and live a successful Christian life, you might be able to. Chances are you're not going to. Because the world out there is absolutely overwhelming. You need, you need to fill up. You need to fill up. This morning I was standing back there and, and I was just reading over my sermon, getting ready to get up here. And, and uh, Penny came up and she started talking. She said, I didn't... You know, mess you up, and I said no, by all means. You know, and I was feeling a little weepy, and I, I told, well, exactly what I told her. My my heart is full. That's what we need here. That's why we come here. We come here to hug necks, encourage each other, so our heart is full. Preferably overfilling. They need opportunities to serve, discover, develop their gifts, to gain experience and spiritual strength. If you come to Victory Church and you're not serving somewhere, it's not because there isn't an opportunity for you to serve. Now, you can, you can jump in and dive in as deep as you want. Or you can just, you know, help out in the cafe. Or if you want a little deeper, you can become a, a Sunday school teacher. They need teachers. We need people for Awanas. You say, well, they got... 70, 80 people. They need more people. We especially need people. All I'm saying, I'm not, I don't want to throw out a commercial for, for, for that kind of stuff, but, but there's a place for you to serve here at Victory in whatever aspect you want. And I've been with Victory Church uh, just sure, you know, there's Terry and then there's us. You know what I mean? Since 99, since Pastor got here. And you know what? If there's not a ministry that you like here, I'm sure there's one you could start up. My point is, is there's a place for you to serve at Victory if you're not serving and you want to. Use, and when I wrote that, I was thinking of uh, Utes. What's a Ute? Youths. If you saw the movie. Anyway. <laughs> not only have a... They, youths have strong desires. Okay, and spiritual children, spiritual adolescents, we're still we're still transitioning really from the world to Christianity and and all those things that go along with that. And I, I hate using rules because because I've always I don't know sometimes people kind of fight against the rules. Okay, but but you know there there's certain things we should do as Christians. But use how they have strong desires and temptations to overcome. Just like a spiritual adolescent who's coming from the world into Christianity. And, and, and they, they don't really don't know their way yet. They're, they're, they're still learning their way and which way they should go. Uh, what ministry they should take up. What, what, what am I going to do in the church? What, what am I supposed to do now? I've accepted Christ. What am I supposed to do? Okay. You know what? And honestly, for each and every person in here, when you walk through that door... You all look like you have it together. You all come through with a smile on your face, shaking hands, hugging necks, and you honestly look like you have it together. But if you're sitting there right now and, and you're saying to yourself, well, I, I do not have it together. I don't know what I'm doing. And you need help, you need to ask. You need to get with, a, get with a, somebody you trust, somebody you, that, that you... You know what I mean? You need to let somebody know. If you're having problems... Here's the biggest thing with, with, from a leadership standpoint. We're not mind readers. If your family's having problems, we can't help you if we don't know. We can't be there for you if, if we don't know. A lot of times, there, I'm telling you, there's been a 
handfuls of people left this church because they say, I wasn't being fed or I wasn't being served. We didn't know. We don't know unless you tell us. And that's, that's the thing. Okay? You need to be involved. The readers who are addressed as young men are those who are engaging in spiritual warfare and are overcoming the evil one or Satan. Satan is a source of evil and exercises sway over the realm of darkness. He exercises sway over this earth. This term, the evil one or the wicked one, refers to the devil, which I'm sure you knew that, in the New Testament. Matthew 6.13, but delivers from the evil one. John 17.15, that you should keep us from the evil one. And here John uses the term to identify the source of all darkness, the devil, Satan. The perfect tense of overcome tells us that the victory has already been won. I said that earlier. We have won the victory. Christ won the victory on the cross. Although there are numerous battles to still fight. Okay? When you accept Christ as your Savior, I liken it to, to being a civilian and then going into the military. You know, once you're in the military, you're ready, you're ready to fight the battle, right? And that's basically what's happening. And, and, and Satan is going to turn up the fire. This is an absolute, okay? But if your life is hunky-dory, and, and God could be blessing your life. I mean, God blesses a lot of people. They don't never go through financial battles, family battles, spiritual battles at all. And they're awesome Christians. And then there's some that go through every battle that comes their way, and they're fighting and clawing their way, to, you know, to be a... Be a Christ-like, you know what I mean? But I'm wondering, we, we fight those battles in the military against the enemies that's coming against us. And I have to believe Satan does the same thing. If, 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 if you're a Christian and, and you're doing things for God, Satan's going to, I believe, he's going to fight against you more than he's going to fight against somebody that's not doing anything. Jesus won the victory over the world, the flesh and the devil, when He died on the cross. What did He say? It is finished. The battle, the victory is won. And again, I go back to, we still have some battles to fight. We must overcome the lies of the devil. When the devil says, God doesn't love you, it's a lie. When the devil says, you're not saved, you never actually accepted Christ as your Savior, it's a lie. Especially if you know you have. Quit buying into the lies of Satan and live a victorious Christian life. It's your choice. You can live the woe is me, I'm I'm so picked on, you know, I've got all these problems. Or you can rise above it. Yeah, we all have problems. Rise above it, accept God's grace, and live a victorious Christian life. Because no matter what happens on this earth, okay? And it's closer now than it ever has been. Of course it is. But, but uh, these problems that we deal with on a daily basis are small compared to what's, what's in store for us. Young believers who grow in their faith know how to walk in the light of Christ's victory and overcome the darkness of the world, the flesh and the devil. Positive. Christian outlook. So how can you tell when you've outgrown your spiritual adolescence and begun moving into adulthood? John answers in verse 14. It says, You are strong. The Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Young men who have grown up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord are no longer being defeated by the devil. They say, Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to listen to your lies. Yeah, I can't pay my bills, but that's fine. We'll, we'll work that out. But God loves me. I love God. And that's, that's the road I'm traveling on. doesn't have to be said just like that, but you know what I'm talking about. Because of the Word of God that dwells within Christ's disciples, that's us. We are overcomers. And overcoming the evil one. Because once we overcome him, he's not going to stop. When you make it through that trial or tribulation, you say, whew, I'm good now. No, you ain't. 
<laughs> he, he's going he's to continue to come at you. Alright? And he's wily. He, 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 he's, he's very wily. He, he's going to come at you in ways that you never even suspected. Sin has a way of sneaking up on us. Satan has a way of sneaking up on us. And maybe we think, well, I'll just do this. It's not a sin. But guess what? It's one step down that road. You see what I'm saying? Most sin isn't blatant. Most of the time we don't hop from here to here and we're deep in sin. Most of the time it's baby steps, right? We think, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh-oh. Okay. You see what I'm saying? And it's just tiny baby steps. And next thing you know, you turn around and you're far from where you need to be. Where you should be. Jesus is our authority and power over all evil. Even the devil. And we need to look to Him. We cannot do it in our own strength. It's nothing we can do to fight Him. It's only through Christ. This word translated overcome is a Greek verb. I'm not going to pronounce this right. I'm going to pronounce it like I see it. Nikao. N-I-K-A-O. Which will become a very decisive word in the book of Revelations. And also in the Gospel of John. John 16.33, Revelations 2.7. Are two verses where that word overcome is brought in. Our third stage, spiritual parenthood. Verse thir- the first part of verse 13. The third stage of spiritual growth is parenthood found in the first part of verse 13. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Fathers, parent, adult, you're more mature. Now, what makes you a spiritual father? What makes you a human, an earthly father? Okay. Well, let's see. Reproducing of your spiritual life, caring for the spiritual lives of others. Okay. Reproducing children, caring for them, building them up. Same thing. When we become spiritually mature, we're to the point now where we're discipling others. In fact, hopefully, your maturity shows through enough where people are coming to you and asking you questions and and you're able to help them and disciple them through some of the problems maybe you had. And I would say this to people that are possibly struggling and having problems. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And a lot of times we get embarrassed or, or ashamed of where we're at. You need not be. You need to find somebody you can trust that you can, uh, you know, bend their ear a little bit. You should not have to go through trials, tribulations, struggles by yourself. And I'm telling you right now, Victory Church is here. And I'm not saying you got to get up here and, and spill your guts, but there's somebody here in this congregation, in in the, at Victory Church, that can help you, that will help you, that wants to help you. So how does this spiritual maturity come about? Maturing comes from knowing God. It's that, it's that simple. Knowing God. How do we know God? We get in His Word. From Genesis to Revelations. That's God's Word. And you can find out who He is right there. It goes deeper. Sitting under excellent preaching. Pastor John does an awesome job. I've never known him not to preach 110% God's Word on, a, on every Sunday. Classes. Studying. Prayer. That's how we become mature. And as our depth of knowledge and our relationship grows with God, we mature and we, become, we continue maturing. You never stop maturing. Like I said earlier about those, sometimes we run across those Christians that think they've made it and they haven't. Pray for them. Okay? We're always maturing. We're always learning. We're always learning something. You ever, you ever read? I mean, you get in God's Word and you're reading and you're reading and, and God's opening up His Word to you and you say, all right, I understand that. You close it. You come back maybe a month later you read the same thing and you learn even more from what you read a month earlier. That's because God's, God's Word is spiritually discerned. It's spiritually revealed. And so it, as you mature, your understanding is going to become more and more as you read. Even the same Scriptures. Now, I know it means one thing, okay? But God reveals things to us through His Word. It just sometimes blows my mind. Wow. Those who become mature have known Him who is from the beginning. 
in the light of 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6, this implies that they have truly experienced salvation and true fellowship with God. They've been walking in the light with God. Their experiences with God have not been simply of the, of the flesh, but out of an authentic, born-again experience. Have you had that this morning? Have you had an authentic, born-again, you've accepted Christ experience? They've continuously demonstrated their love and relationship through their childlike faith and obedience. Obedience is important. Obedience to what, Brother John? <laughs> I'm not even going to go into it right now. I'm talking do not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Uh, this is simple stuff, guys. This is stuff you, you, you probably hear at Victory Church on a monthly basis. Tithing, uh, uh, prayer, prayer. Uh, my goodness, there are so many. Those are, those are, those are three, three simple ones. But we, you have to be obedient. Obedience is key. We're going to get into some Scripture here in a minute, and I'm going to show you why it's important. Such spiritual growth and fruitful maturity doesn't just happen. It's not an afterthought. You just don't one day accept Christ and, and you know, go back to your normal life. Hey, I'm spiritually mature. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to want it. You have to focus on it. You have to do it. It must be your number one priority and the consuming passion of your life. It really should. Yeah, well, Brother John, I'm really not that into it. Fine. You know what? You accepted Christ as your Savior. Uh, you're living a mediocre Christian life. You make it into heaven. That's fine. Okay? That's not what I want. I'm telling you, I am not perfect. I trip and fall. I stumble every day. Do not ask Penny and Jake about that because they won't tell you. But I want more than what I am right now. But you have to go after it. It's not just going to happen. Stage four. We went through the first three stages. Children, right? Toddlers, adolescents, and adults. Those are your three stages of, of spiritual growth. This fourth stage is spiritual growth outcomes in verse 14. Now I'm starting at the last part of 13c here. It says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the One who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you're strong. God's Word remains in you, and you've had victory over the evil one. And although there's four stages in our physical life, childhood, youth, adulthood, and then there's a fourth stage, my, you're looking wonderful. If you were old, you'd understand that. Well, not even a chuckle. John tells us there are three stages of spiritual life. Like I said, little children, young men, and mature fathers. And by re repeating the three stages or categories under which he's addressed his audience, John suggested not only uh, that they possess spiritual attainments worthy of being called children, young men, and fathers, but also that they grow to these attainments by abiding in the Word of God. So, this spiritual maturity is possible, but John here is saying, this is possible. Now go do it. And that's what I'm saying to you this morning. The sky is the limit, literally. One day, Christ is going to come back, and He's going to say, come up here, and we're going to meet Him in the sky, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior. Amen. The first stage of spiritual attainment is desiring the milk of the Word after we're born again into a spiritual life. Two ideas are characteristics of little children. First is toddlers. They realize that their sins are forgiven. Then they grow into children who know the Father. And while this is an excellent starting point, the children must go and become young men and eventually adults. The young man in faith not only knows the Father, but knows his sins are forgiven but he has overcome the wicked one. And how has he done that? How do we do that? By the Word of God. In Matthew, after Jesus was ready for ministry, God sent him into the wilderness to be tested. you remember that? And what I was saying earlier about it's not just knowing God's Word, it's doing, being obedient. Jesus didn't simply go by quoting the Word three times that He defeated the enemy. 
In Matthew, Satan said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, if it is written that man, excuse me, it is written, not if, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Therefore, he would not turn stones into bread, but live by God's word. He was obedient. He, he, didn't, he didn't just say it, he did it. It was obedience. Then Satan said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give His angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Then Jesus said, It is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Therefore, He wouldn't jump down off the pinnacle of the temple and tempt His Father to save Him, but show His willingness to live by God's Word alone. That was Matthew 4, 7. Then Satan tells him, I'll give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. Lastly, Jesus said, Go away, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. As I said earlier, it's written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And therefore, he would not bow down to Satan, but worship the Father exclusively. See, so it's not about him just saying the Scripture. Jesus knew the Scripture, but he was obedient to it. He lived it out. And that's what I'm saying to you this morning. We need to live it out the way Jesus did become more Christ-like. The wicked one flees when he hears a man or woman say, I don't care what my fleshly tendencies are. Here's what God's Word says. And here's His help. And by His grace, His Word is what I choose to follow. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's God's Word. So we have to believe that God's Word is true and factual. So when we resist Satan and his wiles, his temptations, whatever he's got coming against us, that he's going to flee from us. We're all in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle. And the object of that battle is control of our minds, our will, and our lives. And Satan's going to do what he has to, what he can, to trip us up. Make us fall, make us stumble, make us doubt. God wants to control your life. Satan wants to control your life. Two opposing forces. One stronger than the other, by all means. Satan uses force, deceit, and guile to try to bring you into bondage to him. God uses a loving relationship. Through a maturing relationship with Him, He brings us out of our bondage to Satan and into His glorious light. But here's the question. Are you walking with Him? Because if you're not, you're playing Russian roulette. Because you'll either be growing a growing servant of God or a servant of Satan. It's, it's that simple. There's one or the other. If you're not living for God, you're living for Satan. The best weapon we can have in a spiritual battle is our, uh, for our will and mind is the Word of God. And as we hide His Word in our heart, we can have victory over sin. Just like Jesus used His Word in the, in, in the, out in the desert. We need to do the same thing. We were, we, those Scripture... How many here have a, have a life verse that they love that's their favorite verse? Get in God's Word and find one. Find one that, you can, that speaks to you you can hold on to. And use it. If you, even if you have to write it down, stick it in your wallet. It's important that we have God's Word. That we hide His Word in our hearts. Paying attention to His Word cleanses our way. Psalm 119.9 When Jesus was tempted by Satan, He relied on the Scripture to overcome Satan. We become strong when the Word of God abides in us and we obey the Word. Children, young men, spiritual fathers, John commends them all to the Word of God. Are you walking in the nurture and admonition of the Lord this morning? Are you praying? Are you in His Word? Are you doing those things? Are you being obedient? I'm going to go ahead and ask our musicians and our band to come back up. John assured his readers of the faithfulness of the way of light. When I say way of light, God, Jesus. They're faith, God's faithful. But that faithfulness is there. But we are required to be faithful as well. He assured them of the reality of forgiveness, the reality of the relationship with Jesus Christ, of the fact that because of the Word of God which abides within them, 
they have overcome the evil one. John's talking to these believers. He's, he's, he's building them up. He, he's, he's telling them, you guys are maturing. You're doing a good job. Do more. You're sitting here this morning. And you think, man, I, I pray. I read my Bible. I, I, I feel like I'm a very mature Christian. Amen. But I'm standing up here saying, do more. I look in the mirror and I tell myself, you need to do more. Overcoming the evil one. Overcoming Satan is always and only accomplished through Jesus Christ, the supreme overcomer. It's only through Him you're going to overcome these trials and temptations in your life. If you're having, if you're having difficulties or problems, it's only through Him. You're not going to do it on your own. Yeah, you, you might scrape together enough money to pay a bill. You might, you might overcome a sickness and get well. Okay? But it's going to be a struggle. And it, I'm, I'm telling you from experience, it's so much easier when you have a Christian brother or sister to come alongside you, put their arm around you, hug you, say it's going to be okay. Are you obedient to Him? We're all invited into God's fellowship. But this decision to be obedient and follow Him is yours. He's not going to come begging you. He's open. He, He's opened his arms. He's knocking on the door. It's up to you to open the door. We've all seen that picture, Jesus standing at the door. Mm. We're challenged to choose for ourselves the way of light, to confess our sins, to keep God's commandments, to love our brother, to love our sister, to grow into Christ-likeness by continuing in God's Word. You want to be a spiritual parent? You want to be spiritually mature? God's so sure of Himself, He's not threatened by our freedom. And what I mean by that, we're free to choose. We can walk out that door this morning and live life the way we want to live, or we can walk out that door and choose to live for Him. It's your choice. He's not going to force you into it. The mystery here of the existence of Satan, that wicked one, shows that God has allowed that same freedom in the heavenly order. You know, Satan walks to and fro in the earth, and he's able to go to heaven. He's able to get into the heavenlies and accuse us in front of God, our Creator. You know what he says? He says, you know, John Pratt, he, he did this, he did that, he does this, he thinks this way. You know, Jesus stands up and says, nope, he's covered. He's one of mine. Why am I one of his? Because I chose to be. I made that choice. That's the freedom I'm talking about. Here in these verses... John's warning his readers of the existence of this evil one like we didn't already know. But the warning is notably without any sense of panic or terror. John's confident here. We need to have that same confidence John has. That, yeah, I know Satan exists. I know he's stronger than I am. But I don't care. Because greater is he, you can finish it, who is in me and is in the world. Jesus Christ is our authority and our power over evil and the devil. How can we know God that intimately? It's like a good marriage. Two people fall in love, become so close that each one knows what the other one's thinking. Husbands, wives. Sure, I'm sure you can say the same thing. You've been thinking something and your wife will say it or vice versa. I was just thinking that exact same thing. I'm telling you, Penny and I do it all the time. I, I honestly think she can read my mind sometimes. Or I'm just that easy to read. But that's, that's the kind of relationship God wants with you. The relationship, if you have a relationship with your wife, a friend, that you're so close. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. It's not developed overnight. It's a product of time spent together. I didn't just meet Penny, and we were that close. And I can say now, after 
going on 29 years. We're closer today than we ever have been. You say, well, you've been married that long. You weren't close back then? Yeah, we were close, but we're closer today. And that's the same way it works with God, with Christ. The longer you're with Him, the, the more you know Him, the more you learn about Him, the closer you are, the more intimate that relationship. Paul speaks about it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, But as it is written, what eye did not see, what ear did not hear, and what never entered into the human mind, God prepared this for those who love Him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The mature follower of Christ sees things the human eye can't. We hear things the ear cannot hear. They have thoughts. We have thoughts. I have thoughts. It didn't originate with me. You ever, you ever been thinking, praying, whatever, and something enter your mind? And you think, wow, that's that's profound. You ever been reading God's word and it, and it just reveal itself to you by no fault of your own or anything you did? It's God. He reveals Himself to you. God revealed that to you. He allowed you to see it. He opened your mind so you could understand it. Because of the Holy Spirit, God's indwelling Spirit is helping you to think godly thoughts. What an advantage that is. The world reads God's Word. They see the Bible. And I've had, literally had people tell me, I, I don't know why you read it. I can't even understand it. Of course you can't understand it. It's spiritually discerned. Only through Christ are you able to understand it read it. You know what? You'll know you're mature, spiritually mature when God lets you pick up on thoughts and insights from His Word that go far beyond what someone told you or what you hear in a sermon. And that's because the Holy Spirit, because you've accepted Christ, is now free to work in your life. He's free to speak to you. You know, when I accepted Christ my Savior and I'm about to do something I know I shouldn't and I get that little voice in the back of my head that says, better not do that. That's probably not a smart thing. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I would say it's my good sense, but I know I ain't got no good sense. So it's got to be the Holy Spirit speaking to me, telling me not to do that. And each one of us, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, from the moment you do that, you have not just a part of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to work towards getting the whole Spirit. You have 100% of the Spirit. That means we have to be close enough to hear God speaking to us, though. Like I said earlier, that intimacy doesn't just happen. We have to make a conscious effort. I'd ask every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. It's not an afterthought. It should be your number one priority, again, and the consuming passion of your life. But you know what? That doesn't start until we've accepted Christ as your Savior. And if you're sitting here this morning... In a fallen state. In other words, you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. Or possibly, you're sitting here in a backslidden state. Maybe you've not been living your life like you should. You've not been being obedient to God's Word. You need to clear out that hose, if you will. That conduit between you and the Lord. There's no better place than it. You can do it anywhere, like I said, anytime. But there's no better place than right here, right now. With this music playing the singer singing, and the Spirit flowing. And I would ask you to pray. Ask God to forgive you. If, you're, if you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, I would ask you to confess your sins, to ask Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. You don't have to sit here and lay out every individual sin. It goes a lot like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, and be Lord of my life. It's that simple. If you're sitting here in a backslidden state, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you've possibly not been being obedient, you've not, not been living life the way you should be, it's that simple as well. Lord, thank you for being the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I've not been living life the way I should. Forgive me for my disobedience. Restore me 
100% Lord of my life again. Help me to walk as you walk. It's that simple. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.